Oh, guys, thanks for coming along to another Be Connected World Masterclass. And we're uh, lucky enough today to have Misty Henkel, the sales queen with us. We've been doing quite a bit of work with Misty. She's one of our regular... Sorry, I just had an email come through from Alan apologising. Um, she's one of our regular presenters at Be Connected World on a Thursday and delivers absolute gold for us. So it's great to uh, have her here with us today. First thing I'm going to do, guys, I'm going to ask everybody just to pop the details in the chat. So if people want to connect, they can do that. I know there are people in the room that's in there. However, please remember... This is not an opportunity to add people to a mailing list, okay? If you want to connect with them one-on-one, -on -one, that's absolutely fine. Popping them on a mailing list, it's actually illegal, so we don't want to do that. Uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to go through. I am now going to hand over the reins to Misty Henkel. Hello, everyone. All right, so I'm Misty Henkel. I'm a sales trainer. I get um, I get to have fun. Uh, I run classes online with people, so group sales classes. I do personal coaching sessions, and I also sell uh, sales training in book format. So I have two books. I have my Overcoming Obscurity. That's my first book, How to Get Noticed in the Marketplace to Make More Money. And the second one, it's nearly in my hands. Turns out I'm picking it up next week on the 10th of December at the at the printers. How to go from no sales to sales in five easy steps. And this is what we're going to talk about today. This is what our class is on. This five-step system on how to go from no sales to sales. Now, the thing with this, and, so, and if anyone needs extra help, like I'm always available. My contact details are in the chat. I have an open door policy. I answer the phone. I answer emails. I can be found on Facebook. I'm the only Misty Henkel that exists and I wear a crown. So really easy to find. You just sort of find me like this on Facebook. So I'm just super easy to find. So if you do need extra help, just ask as well. So, um, so how to go from no sales to sales is a five-step system. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down the sales process for you and really uncomplicate selling. So here's the steps right here. So I'm going to tell you the five steps and then I'm going to tell you how it works, right? So step number one is get known for the thing that you sell, right? So this includes if you're on a Zoom call, put all your contact details in the chat, which is your phone number and your email address, your full name, the business name, maybe what it is that you do. Get known for that thing that you sell, right? Step number two is deliver the price. If they don't know what you sell and they don't know how much it is, they can't buy it. Step number three is be silent. As a salesman, if you talk too much, they're going to wander away. Step number four, have a follow-up system. Write in brackets for when you need it. If you do steps one, two, and three, if they know what you sell, how much it costs, and you're quiet for long enough, they can actually buy that most of the time right? But you do need a follow-up system just in case they're not buying just yet. Hey, Dre, how are you? And step number five is get known by more people. This is advertising, marketing. There's many different ways to do that. So we're going to jump into that. Um, we're going to jump into each one of these steps, right? So step number one, get known for the thing that you sell. This includes your elevator pitch. If you don't say what you do inside your elevator pitch, then nobody can buy it. 
If you don't practice telling people what you do or using that elevator pitch, your elevator pitch is basically the basis of everything that you should ever talk about. At a networking event, you'll get an elevator pitch, doesn't matter what the time frame is, saying exactly what you sell is very important. Let's say if you're a coach, if you say, uh, I'm a coach and I help people overcome uh, stress and anxiety, that gives an idea of what you do, but it doesn't tell us what you sell. When you say, and I do it with coaching sessions, now all of a sudden you've said exactly what it is that you sell. And now that message can be passed on easily or understood by somebody who actually needs it. So saying what you sell and getting known for the thing you actually sell is very, very important and not just a broad idea of what it is, a result that you help them achieve. So I'll give you an example. As a sales trainer, I teach selling. I, I, I run sales training classes. I do it through group classes. I do it through personal coaching and I do it through books. Right. So I could say, you know, people have said to me often, they said, wow, you've given me so much confidence in sales. You should tell people that. That's a result that comes from being able to sell is confidence. It's not something I sell personally. It's just a result that will come. What I sell is teaching people how to convert sales, how to go from no sales to sales. So I teach sales training, but the results will be that you will end up confident in selling and confident about talking about your thing. So there is a big difference between the, the idea and the, the big concept of, of what they'll achieve versus what you actually physically sell. If we had Janine Hunter in, Janine Hunter is a bra fit specialist. She sells bras. Now she says that, I'm a bra fit specialist, I sell bras. An overarching idea of what she does is she helps women not have a sore back anymore. She helps women look great in clothes. These are ideas of what she does. There are other things that can do that as well, right? A doctor can help your back not hurt anymore. A doctor can, um, can do other things. So if you're a really busty woman, right, you want to be fitted properly with a bra so that everything's in the right spot so that then you're not hunched over the back and things aren't hurting and everything else, right? A doctor will probably just give you a couple of injections. They'll do the same sort of thing. They just do it a different way. She sells bras to alleviate the pain. Doctor sells injections, cortisone injections into the back, or it could be breast reduction, right? So there's something physical that's sold. And when I say physical sales training, it's physical. It's, it's the product is sales training, even though it's a service, right? So there's always sort of a product that's getting sold. Neville, see you, Neville, you're um, a psychologist, counsellor. Counsellor? Yeah, because I keep calling him Dr. Linda. For those who have seen uh, Lucifer, I call him Dr. Linda, so I just got to get the words right. But ultimately what he sells is counselling, right? That's his physical thing that he sells is counselling sessions, uh, even though it's a service, but that's what he sells. So getting known for that thing that you sell includes your elevator pitch, the actual thing that you sell, right? It includes uh, using the words that Google will use, right? Getting known for that thing that you sell. So if you're a network marketer or if you know anyone that's a network marketer, being able to say the company name or the brand name of the company that you sell products for, that's getting known for that. 
think of uh, when it comes to Google words, it's someone's going to Google you anyway. Jason's a great example. He's looked up every single person that's registered to be here today. He's looked them all up. Why? Because he's looking for your name. He's looking for what it is that you do. And so he's going to start, like, he's going to Google. So we all like to Google. That's the system these days. We're all going to Google other people. So better off telling them exactly what they need to be Googling as well. With no fear of them getting a bad review. Yes, Neville, unmute. Can't hear you. Unplug. Hello. Oh, there Hello. you are. Yeah. There yeah. you are. Stupid yeah. headset. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Counseling, there can be spelling issues, depending whether you is using US or UK spelling, and that can cause some confusion because if Google is registering the US spelling of counseling um, and somebody types in the British version, then they may get very, very different results. So, or they might not be able to find me at all. So what do we do with that? You're just going to have to leave it as is. The point is, it's still going to be looking up for a counsellor over not a counsellor. So, yes, sometimes there's spelling issues. However, if you think about it, sometimes it's a matter of, you know, people can get fancy in regards to writing their business name and doing it phonetically or putting some words in and locking like you as in you instead of Y-O-U. And that can cause troubles too. Point is they're going to look for you many different ways as a counsellor or for counselling. They're going to look for your name. There might be a business name in there. So if you give them all the words, then it's up to them to work out how to, um, how to make that search work for them. And let's have a think about it. When we all think about how we've been on Google, this is how Google works. We put in a question. We think of what's the best question that I can ask Google for me to get the result that I'm after. We put the, we put the question in. And Google would decide if they can answer that question or not and then chop out a bunch load of words that it doesn't like if it can't answer that question. And it'll answer how it likes, but it'll take out a bunch of the words that we use. So we read it and go, okay, don't like those answers. Let me ask a different question. So rely on the fact that the customer, when looking for you, will be looking every way that they possibly can. So don't be too worried if your spelling is different, right? The point is, is the sound of it is right. And that is more important than, um, than the spelling in the end, right? So other ways that people will, you can get known for what it is that you do. It becomes in the chat box. Let's have a look on screen. So have a look, run your um, mouse over the screen now. See Misty Hankel, sales trainer, Mark Grant, cost less payments. Neville, you need to write counselor at the end. Um, so each person, Brenda should be writing BizLeads expert. It might show up in that back of your screen, but another way to get known more is by having your name updated to say what you do as well. So a business name or something that you sell, which then links back to the chat box. When you go back into the chat box, your name will show up. When you write something, your name will show up and that extension of what you've put in when you've renamed yourself as well. So now if Neville was to write something into the chat box, it wouldn't just be Neville Starrick, it would be Neville Starrick, counselor and coach. And that will show up as well. Getting known for what you sell also requires your direct contact details, right? So when you're known for what you sell, make it really easy for them to find you and to make sure that if they're Googling or whatever, they can match you up properly as well. So there's a number of different angles for getting known for what you sell, all right? So that's step number one. 
right? And have a think of it like this. If you sell many products, look like this. What do you want to be known for the most? If you were to sell one thing every day to every person on the planet for the rest of your life, what is it? And that's the thing that you should be getting known for. You can sell the other things as well, but think of one thing because that one thing will generally lead to many other things. Once a customer has bought from you once, they, do, they usually want to buy from you again. So you only have to advertise one thing, get known for, and the other things will fall off that as well. All right, so step number two, deliver your price. This means without discounting and without sounding anxious. Sales anxiety comes from not being able to say your price or the fact that things cost money. That's what it is. Sales anxiety comes from not being able to say um, that, that stuff costs money. So if you think about it, right, who here, put your hand up if you've ever done some sort of sales training, uh, whether it be when you were first started at school in a job or you've read a sales book. I mean, technically, you've come out to networking, you're getting some sort of business tips, so there's some sort of sales training in there. And yet every person I've met really has had some sort of sales training but still failed to sell. And the reason that they fail to sell is not because the training wasn't good. It's because they hold sales anxiety, anxiety about selling themselves, right? Them selling something themselves. And the anxiety comes from the fact that stuff costs money. Everything costs money. This is not a secret. And yet when somebody asks us a direct question, how much does it cost? The salesman tends to go a bit nutty on this answer, right? The ironic thing is, is as a salesman, that should be the one question that we're begging for them to ask us. When a person says, right, so how much is it? So if I said, uh, Phil, I'm going to set you up here. <laughs> you don't want to say any price, really easy. Uh, Phil, how much does it cost for graphic design? it's hard right it's yeah, well, it is difficult but if i'm going to sell a logo so i'm, I'm getting better at setting setting prices now yeah? um but you know, if it's a logo it's 400 dollars. Yeah? right so an easy way to answer that becomes this right if someone says how much is it for graphic design decide in your head what it's going to be and say it starts at and give us a yeah. price when a person asks how much is it, they're just looking, they're not looking for the exact thing, they're looking for an estimate so they can work out, do I want it or not? Is it in my budget? Am I prepared to do that yet? Do I need more information? I'll give you an example. When I was writing this first book, well, before I started writing this book, I called a few publishers, right? And I called a particular one and I just said, how much does it cost to get a book published? And he said, well, it depends. I'm sure that it does, but I'm sure that there's a starting fee as well. So let's have a look at the checkpoints. I reckon it'll be about, I don't know, 50, 70 pages, lightest paper possible. I just want it staple bound. So it's gonna be really cheap to send. Uh, what's the minimum run? He said 250. I said, yeah, anything else you need to know? Probably allow for color. Like what's, I'm just after an estimate. He said, I still can't tell you. You'll have to put in a quote. I said. I'll give you another example. If I put in a quote and it comes back $10,000, one is I'll be very annoyed, right? If there's 250 is the minimum run, it comes back $10,000, I'll be annoyed that I went to the trouble to get the quote. And at $10,000, I'm not writing the book. At $5,000, I might look into writing the book, but I know how many I have to sell to pay for that. And if it's, say, at $2,000, $3,000, I'll write the book. 
And he said, oh, well, based off what you said, it'd be less than 5,000 for sure, definitely not 10, you know. Um, oh, oh, well, then I can look into writing the book then. I've got no problems. I'll write the book and I'll go forward from there because in my head I've gone, how many do I have to sell to move on, you know. And in the end, I think it cost me about, I don't know, let's say it was average $10 a book, two and a half grand um, to get the first 250 done. So uh, to get printed and, um, and sent to me. But see how I was just after an estimate. I want the exact figure. And I know as, as, a, as a consumer, I know that there's variables. Salesmen tend to forget that the consumer knows stuff and seems to think that they're the only ones that know things so that when they give a price, it seems like that's the exact thing that they can charge. I can now only charge the price that I gave. No, you can just give them a starting price because that's all that they ask for as well. So price is really important. Now, how you say the price is important. If as, and Phil, you did it beautifully. Oh, well, you see, well, it kind of depends, which is good because I set you up that way on purpose to show, to show what that looks like, right? But if I was to go again and say, Joe, all right, I've got an unruly dog and I want him to start behaving better. How much does it cost to get um, help in fixing my dog? How much is it? $3,000. $3,000, right? Right. Now, my, my thought can be far out. I never want to spend $3,000. But the truth is it doesn't matter what I want to spend. It only matters that I know the answer. So as a salesman, Joe's job is to just deliver the information, leave it up to me. If she was to say, oh, well, you see, well, see, it's kind of expensive. And, you know, if you already spent a lot of money getting a dog and you've had it for a while and, but, you know, it's kind of like $3,000, I'll think. And it's her worry will be, um, I'm worried that you're not going to like the price. That's her worry. That's why it would be explained that way. But I am going to take it as she doesn't believe that the price is a good price. She thinks it's too expensive. There's no point in me paying for it. So how we deliver the price, we deliver it a particular way with a thought in our mind, uh, trying to um, help with the expectation of what the customer is going to uh, expect of or their reaction to try and alleviate a, a negative reaction. Whereas the customer sees it as, oh, you don't believe in your price and you think it's wrong and expensive. So they take a completely different view of what, of how we say it as well. So the only way forward is to deliver the price. Now, discounting, when you deliver the price, discounting becomes more optional. It's really hard. If Joe said, well, it's $3,000, but, you know, if you come to this workshop that I'm doing and then I'm doing this and it's 20% off and then because it's the end of the year and then I'm going to do this and, you know, and then I'll do that and I'll give you a code and you get 10% off. It's like, I don't, even, I, I don't even know the prices anymore. I don't even know what you're saying. Right, so giving multiple prices doesn't help the customer. Quick question, show of hands. Who's ever gone to the store and bought some groceries? Oh my God, it's like everyone. Dre, I'm going to shoot your hand is up to. All right, so <laughs> now here's how groceries sell themselves to us at the grocery store. They sit on the shelf with their price. That's it. And we, the customer, make informed decisions. Do I want it? Do I not want it? Do I want to pay that? No, not really. Am I going to buy it anyway? Here I am. And then we buy it, right? We go into the store for one thing, come out $50 later. Wow, how did that happen? I didn't even want to spend it. 
I did it anyway, right? So if that's how we buy and that's how everybody buys, it's okay if the person hearing your price doesn't like it. Not liking the price doesn't mean they're not buying it. It just means they don't like it, right? The truth is, is nobody really likes the fact that we have to pay cash for stuff. It's always a complaint. Ironically, if we were to look at milk, imagine, because milk never goes on special, right? So it's pretty easy in Australia to buy the milk that you want. You go into the store, you see the one that you like, it's exactly the same price in every store, and so you just buy it, right? We never change brands, we just buy what it is, right? Because it never changes price. If it changed price all the time, it'd be harder to pick, but it never goes on special, so it's easy to buy. Imagine if you went into the supermarket, decided to buy milk, and there was a sign that said, all milk today, free. How easy would you pick that up and walk out with the milk? And how many would you take? You'd be sitting there going, oh, why is that? Why is that free? Let me have a think about that for a second. It'll be very confusing because it's not the normal way. So we're going to complain about, I'll test it out. But, you know, some people will just grab it and go, oh, my God, I'll grab a whole basket. Others will go, hmm, I'm not sure that I trust the milk today. I think I'll come back on a different day. Right? There's always going to be a complaint when it's something we don't want to hear or we're not used to hearing. But it, takes, it only takes a little bit to, and it's for you to allow the customer to make a more informed decision about the price. So delivering the price easily is very important and without discounting. The other problem with discounting is this. Quick question, who would love referrals? Just put your hand up, right? Everybody loves referrals. Yeah. So here's what happens. When you discount something, it makes it almost impossible for someone to get you a referral. Because what's the first question the other person is going to ask? Let's say I got help from Martha in regards to imposter syndrome. And I said, oh, my God, Martha's amazing, right? And I was telling a friend, right? I was telling Anne, you know, oh, my God, I went to Martha. She helps with imposter syndrome. It's amazing. If you suffer from that, you should do that. What's the first question Anne's going to ask me? How much? How much does it cost, right? <laughs> if, my, if, if I can tell her how much it is, because Martha just told me the price and I just paid for it full price and just did it, I can tell her. But if I got a discount, I'll say, oh, well, you see, I'm not sure what it is really, but, I mean, I got a discount. So um, I'm not really sure. How now easily is it going to be for Anne to want to buy from Martha? And then the question becomes, well, how did you get that discount? Well, I went to this workshop and she was giving away. Do I need to go to a workshop to get a discount? Is that a discount that can be passed on? If I call her, can I get a discount? If I get said that you referred me, I have no idea. And see, now the person who's supposed to be giving the referral can't answer the money questions. And when they can't answer the money questions, then they don't move forward on the thing that they need and the referral can't come through back to the new salesman as well. So discounting causes a lot of problems that we don't even think of moving forward as well, right? So sounding anxious will stop the sale. Discounting will stop the sale and stop future sales, right? Um, so step number three, I'm watching the time. So step number three is be silent. Who's had the opportunity before of going to buy something, asking the salesman a question and then talk, talk, talk. And you think, just stop talking so I can buy it. 
who said that? You know, it's really funny because I teach this class all the time about being silent, the importance of being silent. When a customer asks you a question like, how much is it? That's all they want to know. How much is it? They're only after a number figure. You tell them exactly what they want to know or, you know, it's a it starts at, which is exactly what they want to know, the price, and then stop talking. Don't give them extra information. What happens is salesmen tend to over-deliver. They tell them how much it is, explain how the price came about, what else is involved, right? In an effort to help the customer understand about the price, the customer asks the question, how much is it? It is the customer's question. Therefore, your answer as a salesman, your answer is the customer's answer to interpret, not our, as in the salesman, not our answer to interpret for them. It's for the customer. So silence is really important. And when you do the silence, it's when someone asks a question, answer their question very fast and be quiet until after they've spoken again. Because even if it's something simple like, let's take um, Phil again, how much is it for a logo? He says $400. And if he stops talking, I might be silent for longer than he likes. As a customer, I might be like, oh, okay. I could be thinking, all right, okay, well, I've got these invoices that are coming in. I reckon if I get that logo done now and if I use that card, then I could get that done. I wonder how long it takes. Maybe you can get that done within a week. I could get business cards done. Then I can get them sent. I'm going to an event at the end of next week. I wonder if I can get it complete that long. Like these are thoughts that will go through a customer's mind. But notice how long that's taken for me to say my thoughts out loud. Customer says it in their head. Could be 10 seconds. Salesman tends to get a bit anxious when there's silence. Salesman starts talking. Salesman starts explaining price, talking about all different things, what you need to understand about me and the company and the process. What happens is this customer gets all this information that they didn't need because they're just trying to work out when were they going to pay and could they get business cards done on time for an event and with all the extra information that's given when the customer gets confused the customer then says thank you for all that information that's great grabs the details and leaves who's seen that happen before right where you just grab the information or somebody said oh that's great thanks so much for that information they've left and you as a salesman are like oh well how do I get that back like but interesting, as a salesman, we tend to tell ourselves these funny stories as to why we didn't get the sale. Customer didn't understand the price. Customer didn't have any money. Customer didn't value the work that I do. Customer doesn't value themselves. Customer doesn't believe in what it is that I do. Customer doesn't believe in themselves. Customer, customer, customer. Customer has all these problems with their product, service, price, all of it. But truthfully, customer got confused with too much information and then thought they had it all and so said thank you and left. So they could process the answer to the first question they asked, which was how much was it? And then what happens is the customer gets embarrassed that they didn't ask the question that they're after. So they go and they get their, let's say, logo done from somebody else. Not because they didn't trust Phil, 
but because they were too embarrassed to go back and admit that I didn't get the information that I was after. So he was a really nice person and he gave, he was so nice and friendly, but I'm too embarrassed to go back. So I'll just get somebody else to do it for me. And that's how we end up seeing somebody buy a similar thing to what we sell from somebody else. We collected everything that we needed, got embarrassed, went to somebody else, right? Embarrassed because we stopped the conversation too early, not realizing that we didn't get what we're after as well. But it's as a result of the salesman speaking too much. So silence is very, very important for the customer to be able to decide and make informed decisions. Our job as salesmen are not to solve their problems and not to make them buy before they're ready. It's to deliver information. Have a think about this. Imagine you're going to the grocery store and you're throwing a party. Someone gives you a shopping list. Somebody's throwing a party and says, I need you to duck down the street and I need you to get pie apples, not pineapples, pie apples. I'm making an apple pie and I need two tins of pie apples. And you go down with money and you go to the thing where there's all, um, uh, you know, fruit, tinned fruit. And there's four different brands. Oh my God, which ones do I pick? Which would be the best pie apples to pick, right? And then you'll start trying to work that out. What does the stuff on the shelf allow you to do? Think. Compare. Yes. yes, it lets you stand there quietly while you think it out. The products on the shelf don't talk to you at all. They just stand there waiting for you to decide which one it's going to be. And they're happy with whatever decision you make. So they just stand there. And interestingly, we as consumers can buy that way. We literally can just make a decision based off the product silence. And so that's what's really important in this level of, you know, the five-step rule is get known for the thing that you sell when they know what you sell and they know how much it costs. It's your job to be silent so they can work out that next bit. Which card am I going to use? How many am I going to buy? Who else am I going to get by it? Who am I passing the information on? Do I need more information? So silence is hugely important. Who falls down in this department or feels that they do sometimes falls down in this department, the silence section? It can be tricky to keep our silence, right? And, you know, we can use this at home as well. Who has trouble at home? Who has kids <laughs> and argues with them? <laughs> they don't know how to be silent. But we are salesmen and yet we still have that ability to forget. So it's really important to practice silence. All right. So when they know what you sell, how much it costs, and you've given a chance to be silent so they can choose to buy, they've got two choices, to buy or not to buy. So if they buy, it's done now. If they're not buying, it means that they're still thinking. They're not not buying. They're just not buying right now. That's when we need step number four is have a follow-up system. So step number four is very important for when you need it. You don't always need it, right? So the best way to have a follow-up system is to set it up before they leave. So when somebody turns around and say, hey, Chris, how are you going? So when someone turns around and says, um, oh, uh, let me have a look. Brenda, oh, Brenda, really like what you do. want to go to some master classes, but you know what? I... Um, I think I could keep working it out myself before I start going to some masterclasses. A great setup for a follow-up is 
I think that's great. I'm happy to be your plan B. So write that down. I'm happy to be your plan B. That is a great follow-up opportunity. And the great thing about being a plan B is it allows them to come back to you as well as you have the opportunity to come back to them as well. So there's, there's many different ways to have a follow-up set up. And follow-up could be that you just call people straight after an event uh, or, um, you know, if you're running a class. It could be uh, that you send emails. It could be that you just do phone check-ins to talk to people and see how they're going. So there is many different ways to do follow-up. Follow-up is quite a big section. And, um, and this is where I say, you know, if anyone has trouble with the follow-up part, um, book in for a coaching session so that we can just sort out what is the best way to have a follow-up system for you because it does take up a, a bit of time to work that out, right? So follow-up, but just knowing that having a follow-up system, the fortune is in the follow-up is so true, right? There's no point getting known, liked and loved by everybody and then you do nothing with it when they haven't had that chance to buy straight away, right? Uh, and then step number five is get known by more people. And get known by more people could be networking events, could be Facebook pages through LinkedIn. It's any sort of advertising. Have a think about McDonald's. They're known by many, many people. So in Australia, we've had McDonald's for over 30 years. They still advertise every single day. They never stop this. As a result, biggest name in hamburgers across the world, definitely in Australia, right? But across the world. Coca-Cola, biggest name in soft drink. I don't remember the last time I saw a Pepsi ad, uh, but I believe they still make them. But Coke still shows up everywhere. So, you know, they've just never stopped advertising. As a result, biggest name in soft drink across the world as well, right? So getting known by more people. So if you have a look at this five-step system, when you get known by more people, you can, one, tell them what it is that you sell so that you can deliver the price and be silent while they choose, while they sit there and think, do I want it? Do I know someone else who needs it? Am I ready to buy right now? If they're not ready to buy right now, you have a follow-up system where you can check in for later and then get known by more people. Notice how it's a circle. It just keeps going around and around and around. Now, the other interesting thing about this is if you think about all your sales and moving forward with, with this list, think about all your sales that you do in every way that you sell. Now, sometimes you talk to somebody and they buy straight away. You've used very few words and they've bought straight away. Who's noticed that? Who's had that happen before, right? You go, oh, Wow, that was easy. Let me see if I can replicate that. The next person, it doesn't work for them, right? And so there's been this, this myth that has been taught through traditional sales training that every sale is different because every person is different. But this system, this five-step system, actually will tell you exactly where you went wrong. If a sale didn't go through, you'll be able to pin it down to something. Did they know what you sold? Did you deliver the price easily? Were you quiet? Do you have a follow-up system? Can they come back to you? Can you go back to them? Are you known by enough people? It'll be one of these five steps will tell you exactly why your sales aren't progressing. So in today's world where we've got everything on Google, sales have become really easy. And people now, business owners, they now have lots of lead generation stuff, you know, websites, social media, you know, Google business pages. Think of all the different opportunities for lead lead magnet stuff right so for leads to come towards i believe that all leads that come towards you are right but now it's we the salesmen have to do something with those leads and it will fit somewhere in this five-step system as to what it is that you need to do to progress that person that's found you oh, amongst everybody else on the planet they've found you 
right? Then it'll be one of these five things that you need to start doing to progress them just that little bit closer because they did find you. So with that, watching the time, Jace. So who's got questions or observations? Yes, Brenda. Black Friday sales, Boxing Day sales, holiday sales. I don't know if you have them in Australia, but we have yeah. them over here. But do. what do you do with things like that? Ignore it. Absolutely ignore it. Don't have your own sale. Because how then do you, then you have to resell it, resell it, resell it. Now, these sale things are a way of, I mean, have it if you just want fast cash, close the sale right now, but you're not going to go to a follow-up. These are good if you're not planning on following up with people. You just want them to buy now and move on. If you need to fast move something out or you need some cash flow and you just want to collect some people now and then move on, don't make such a big deal out of it, but just you can do it, but don't bring it up again. What's really important that you don't do is, oh, well, normally it's this much, but I'm only doing it for this. Or if you buy it now this week, I'm only going to do this. Just tell them when, how much it is. This is how much the price is. Because what it is today and what it is tomorrow can be different. I can sell a book today for $30 and then tomorrow decide to sell the same book for $40. And someone will say to me, oh, I thought it was 30. Here's my answer. It was. And I leave it up to the customer to sort that out. Oh, crap. It might go up again. Or they'll say, why has it gone up? And I can give them a reason, right? Shipping's gone up or because I've decided that there's, it's just worth more. I have a training program that sits behind it. It's worth more. Ah, okay. Right. It might be second edition. I've updated. It's the second edition. Okay. Right. I can do the same with sales training. I can change sales training from $20 a session to $200 a session. Wow. Why has that gone up? Because I've gotten better. And it can't be disputed. Right. So, yes. Yeah, so uh, specials can be done. If you already know how to sell, if you don't know how to sell and it's your way of getting someone to buy, it's a hard way for you to keep moving forward because you're always going to feel like you need to discount. At some point as a salesman, you have to practice giving the real price and believe that it's right and the right people will be buying it because they believe in you and what it is that they're after. Your thing is not valuable to you, but their cash is. Their cash is not valuable to them. Your thing is. And so they do a swap, right? So it's important that you can sell it at the full price before you look into discounts. Anyone so else? Misty, so Misty, what do you say about, say, sales vouchers? Mm -hmm. um, is it, is it you know, let's say you go to a meeting, someone gives you a gift bag, you've got some sales vouchers in there. And... Um, yeah, the, the idea is to attract more clients or a new client by using a, let's say a pest control company has a $50 discount for a, yep. a treatment. And yep. uh, is that a good idea to bring If you're going to do a half price thing, chances are nobody's going to use it anyway. You're better off just giving it away for free. Yeah. Just say, if you're going to something and you're giving out a voucher, just give it away for free. You know, I had um, a guy that I used to network with uh, who was an acupuncturist. Every time he heard someone was putting on an event, he said, I'll give everybody a free um, uh, and nosing. I'll give everybody, Cal, would give everybody a free acupuncture session. He said, if 100 people turn up, he said, I doubt two people will even turn up. He said, it's not that I'm not prepared to do the 100. 
They just don't action on it. It's actually better for you. Advertising might just give it away for free and try and get them to pay half price for a minimal amount. You get more press for giving away stuff for free and nobody's going to use it anyway. Only the right person is going to use it, right? But you can give it all away for free and you won't be behind. But if you give it away at a discounted price, it's so much harder. Otherwise, just accept that that's the price. I had someone the other day say, oh, well, because you're doing this thing, you know, can I get your book? No, someone said, I'm going to buy five copies of your book. So I'll talk to you later about getting a discount. Yeah, I don't discount. But I'm buying five copies. And then they decided to buy five books. Right? Because it's all about the information that's in it. It's not actually, how is $5 helping somebody? How is a $5 discount or a $50 discount in their, $50 in their pocket helping them when they need the thing? So the thing is more important than the discount. I guess it comes back to the value of what you provide, not value as in cost, but value of what you provide. Yeah. Yeah. So the understanding here is understand that everyone always complains that stuff costs money. It doesn't mean that we want it for cheap or less. They just complain that it costs money, but we still buy it. right? And if we know what it is and we know the rules around the sale, that's how much it is. It makes it very easy for us to decide to buy when we need it, not before we're ready. Because we buy it before we're ready at the discounted price, then we're not using it properly. It doesn't help you, the salesman, because they're not going to say great things about your product. It doesn't help them either because they got it too soon and it's not the right thing yet as well. So they're not going to use it properly, which again, doesn't help you as well. So hold tight to your price. And I promise you it all works moving forward. I've had plenty of people practice this. Um, Glenn Kirkwood, for those who know Glenn Kirkwood from that cleaning crew. Yeah, Yeah, once he put this in, yeah, once he put this into play, never change the price, no discount, the price is the price. He just kept putting his price up. He's gone from doing, you know, like an end of lease clean starting at $350, same place now, two and a half grand. And people say, how much is it? Can I get a discount? He goes, it's just a price. And then he ends up, he'll end up getting the sale. It's just the price. And he just moves on and says, what do you want done? Well, it's just the price. I had one person once call him last, earlier in the year that said, um, can you look at my plate? How much would it be? And he said, what you said, two and a half grand, it sounds like. He goes, can I get a discount? No, that's the price. And he said, can you come past and have a look and just confirm it? I don't think it's as bad as what you're making out to be. All right. Glenn went over, had a look, and he said, yeah, actually, um, it's three and a half grand. And the guy said, can I have a discount? And he said, no, that's the price. And he said, so what's the system? If I want it clean tomorrow, he said, you put all the money in the bank account today and tomorrow the crew comes in and cleans it. He said, how about I put half in today and half after you've done it? And he goes, no. And he said, I'll put 3,000 in. And Glenn said, yep, no problems at all. While I'm standing here, which room do you not want us to do? I'll just mark it with a piece of chalk on the carpet. He goes, yeah, I just put three and a half grand in. The customer just needs to know the rules of the sale. It's not rude to tell them the rules and confirm the rules. And they want to know that if you're confident, they're confident. If you're unconfident and keep changing your price, now they're not confident. Mm. But it's not in the price. It's in your product now. They're not confident that you know what you're doing. So hold tight on your price. It will work. Neville, you got your hand up? Yeah. um, Just wanted to comment. In in my space, one of the things that I've had to work with is the fact that we've got so many different um, professionals that can provide counselling services and some can offer insurance rebates some can offer medicare rebates and then there are people who can't do either so i'm in the latter camp at the moment and so it's just kind of like um 
I've really had to sit there and work out what my price is, what my value is, and to unashamedly say, this is what, this is what it costs to work with me. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you may not get a Medicare rebate. You may not get health insurance rebate. If you want to work with me, this is what you will pay. And it's been, it's, it's, it, it's made things quite complicated in some ways for me to have to work through that because it's, it's not a level playing field in some respects. If people just want to go for price, go to Medicare. Now, here's an interesting thing, right, Neville? It's not a level playing field no matter what. Yeah. Why? Because they get you yeah. instead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. So you've unleveled it. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. of your price and it doesn't matter of Medicare rebates or anything like that. Because you are the difference between the whole system, right? So, and a great way forward for you is someone says, can I claim it on Medicare? Can I claim it on my my, um, health insurance, right? And your answer is no. Well, other people can do it for cheaper. Yes, but I do it at the best result. I'm not looking, I don't help people for the cheapest possible price. I help them with the best possible result moving forward. Mm -hmm. Ah, and it's left now up to the customer to decide, do I want something at the cheapest possible price or do I want something with the best possible outcome? Mm. And that becomes your answer every time. So you can confidently say, no, I don't do the Medicare rebate. No, I don't do health fund rebates. I, my price is my price. I help people for the best possible outcome. And it would be my guess probably at the fastest possible timeframe. Now, fast time frame could be like every week for 10 years, mm-hmm. right? But that's the best possible, right? Yep. Other people could be looking to oh, lowest possible price. I'm going to hook you up for as long as possible, mm-hmm. right? So I'm looking to help you in the fastest time frame that's right for you. So I'm looking for the best outcome for you mm-hmm. moving forward, but it's not at the cheapest price. Ah, yep. well, now I just have to decide do I want the cheapest price or the best outcome. Mm-hmm. And yep. there's my answer right there right? Because you're always going to be the difference. Yep. All right. Jace, how are we going for time? Can't hear a thing. Reverend? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, You're spot on. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So, Chris, I noticed you came in late. If you put your contact details in the chat, including your email address, I will send you the whole chat box at the end so that you can be connected to everybody else here. So part of step number one, get known for that thing that you sell, get known is very important. So it's just as important, Chris, that you know everybody here. It's important for them, but it's important that everybody here knows who you are as well. So um, put your contact details in and anyone else who hasn't put their contact details in, chuck it all in. I am happy to send you the chat box because it is my wish that everybody gets known for everything that they do. Beautiful. All right, Misty, I'm gonna stop the recording. Thank you very much, absolute gold. Before we go, have you got anything that you would actually like to promote? Oh, well, based off today's class, my book, How to Go From No Sales to Sales in Five Easy Steps, that's where this is the explanation of everything that I've just done in 45 minutes is, uh, this is the book that goes with it. So it's like a reference guide, but it also explains it all. It has um, it has practice, practice 
games to play over the table at dinner. So you get to, it's called Beat the Salesman. So you get to play these games um, underneath each chapter with people at the dinner table to see if you can, um, if they choose to buy right now based off you delivering a price. Will they buy it at that price or not? Or if you're quiet for long enough, who buys and who doesn't? Like who can outlast? How to follow up? It's got follow-up systems that you can actually practice. The key to selling and increasing going from no sales to sales is practice. We all as salesmen practice selling. We just often practice with the customer. Too often we practice with the customer. And when the customer doesn't buy, ultimately that just means we got it wrong. And then we blame the customer but not buying because they didn't understand anything. They didn't like the price. So we blame all these things, but the truth is it's our fault for practicing on the wrong person. So, um, so the book allows you practice. So it's $30 free shipping wherever you live in the world. And um, I've got the link, the link, the the link is in the chat box. Yeah, I've got the link up the top here. Yeah, I'll just chuck it in again because a few people come in late. There you go. It's all in there. How to go from no sales to sales. $30 and um, I will have it in my hand from the printer Saturday of next week and it's getting sent out to everybody. It's very exciting. No worries. Thank you, Misty. Thanks, Jace.